Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now let's give you something to chew on. We're here for another edition of Chew on This and K-Dog, how are you today? I am great, Teresa Duncan. How about you, my friend? You know, it's one of those days that the coffee just needs to kick in faster than I'm used to. (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) I hear that. I've got the Diet Dr. Pepper trying to do the same. I get it. Oh, my goodness. You know, and a lot of doctors that are listening are like, wait, what? (laughs) I know. I know. I'm a cold caffeine and a soda freak. So there's my vice. It's not like we're drinking Mountain Dew. So it's not that bad, right? Like that's that's like elixir of the... Of the gods when it comes to rotten teeth, right? The god of rotten teeth. It is, exactly. <laughs> so dentists should be thankful Mountain Dew is still being produced, hey? Absolutely. All right. We're in the new year and there's been a lot of stuff going on. The vaccine has dropped and people are, you know, getting getting the vaccines. And you had a story about uh, a dentist who's going for it. I did. We had some history made uh, just before the start of the year in the great state of Oregon. Dr. Ryan Thrower, hopefully I'm pronouncing that last name correctly, became the first dentist in the entire country to administer a COVID-19 vaccine. And I want to make sure to say that Dr. Ryan is actually a female. Uh, So I thought that was very cool. Oregon has always kind of been on the leading edge of this, allowing dentists to administer the vaccine. I know there are some states that have talked about it, some that are allowing it. Uh, You know, but Oregon's like, hey, we got the vaccine. We're ready to bring our residents in and do this. And so uh, she graduated from uh, the School of Dentistry at Oregon Health and Science uh, University. And, you know, I think that it's really cool uh, because not only did she become the first to do it, uh, but one of the local TV stations interviewed her about it. And she said, and, and here's the quote, I wanted to be a dentist to have someone that little girls and little brown boys could look up to and say, OMG, that's attainable. I want to do that one day. So not only uh, is is she a, a female dentist, but she's also a dentist of color. And so I think that it's really cool that she realizes not only the importance of this moment administering the vaccine, but also that she is uh, somebody for maybe future generations to look to, up to and say, I could do that. I wonder if they build a statue for her. Does she have the big vaccine syringe in her hand while she's doing it? Oh, she absolutely should. You know, I mean, I'm just telling you. And I, and I love the fact that she's administering it to a nurse, uh, you know, so I'm like, you know, if we had looked back a year ago and said, hey, by the way, there's going to be this pandemic happen and dentists are going to be some of the first people to help out the nurses, you know, we'd all be like, oh, that's cool. Pretty you cool. Know, yeah, and try to figure it all out, you know. But uh, I, I thought that was really neat. And then she did a double dip. And Teresa, I thought this was pretty cool. Not only did she did the COVID vaccine, but then she gave a flu shot to the dean of the School of Dentistry. So, I mean, she's multitasking, which is tremendous. I bet that dean was like, I hope I graded you well. I hope I treated you well. You're right for it. Do you remember that one time? You know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I did have all my instruments. How dare you? 
So you said graduated from the school and I know we covered it earlier, but I realize not everybody listens to every word we say, but there was a program, right? She graduated from a program up at the school. Yeah. She graduated from the dental school uh, there at Oregon Health and Science. Uh, They're in the great state of Oregon. So the story lists her as a dental resident. I'm still trying to gather a little bit of the information, but she is a graduate. Uh, you know, so and we know that dentists in the state of Oregon are allowed to administer the vaccine after training, after training, after training, of course. So we know that, uh, you know, she is the first of what will be many. I have no no doubt uh, they're in the Pacific Northwest. That's pretty cool. And hopefully it takes off, you know, in other states, because um, from what I'm hearing, it's it's not easy to get in to get your vaccine. Uh, I know there's yeah. been like waiting periods here. In our local our local dental Facebook groups, there's been some, hey, how come this one got in and this one hasn't? And, you know, that's that's always problematic. So, <laughs> well, and, and I think you and I chatted on a previous podcast about would dentists want to do this? Would they want to incorporate it into their uh, treatment mix? Would they want this to be a part of their day in the practice? And and I think that now that we see some of the the rollout that's happened and some of the opportunities that there are to help more people. I think more and more dentists and, and dare I say, dental team members are like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be a part of that. I'd like to have this as, as one way to draw people into our practice. So this, again, is the, you know, another indication of that whole, you know, we are merging medical and dental. Yep. We're starting to see some commonalities regarding permissions. Uh, I bet this this doctor, you know, in a practice, you have to have different procedure codes. And, you know, there is the ability to bill it to medical, the flu vaccine. I think the coronavirus vaccine, I think that is still free to the public. I believe Mm -hmm. the administration has made that free to the public. So I think just billing for the office visit or the flu shot itself would be the only thing. So you're not like making a ton of money on this at all. You're not. But, you know, I think that it goes back to the perception. And when dentistry shut down because it wasn't viewed as essential, I think that 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 was a wake up call to so many people out there that wait a minute, we're viewed as kind of this second tier. Mm. So I think that, you know, some of the dentists and some of the team members that I've talked to are like, you know, if we can administer the vaccine, all of a sudden that raises us up a little bit in not only the eyes of the, the public, but but our medical brothers and sisters out there as well. It's curious to me that when you go to a medical office, you know, it, it honestly is not usually as nice as some of the dental offices we go into. I, I agreed. But medical, you know, of course, they're the quote unquote real doctors. You hear that all the time, that they're the real doctors. And you're not you're not a real doctor. You're just a, a dentist, which is back to the hangover. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that could definitely cause some issues at like a family dinner. Right. But <laughs> it's always been strange to me that we've been kind of seen as not doctors when we are so up on HIPAA, so up on OSHA. I mean, our offices, you know, before the pandemic, most offices you could you know, drop something on the floor and the five second rule applies and no worries because we're clean. You know, we clean right. things up. I guess in the, the eyes of, you know, Joe Public, you know, we're doctors, but. There's the asterisk, there's the but, you know, whatever you want to say, there is, you know, and, and I don't know how many times that I've referenced, as I mentioned a minute ago, that scene in The Hangover where he's trying to see the x-rays and go, hey, 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 you're, you're not a doctor, you're just a dentist, you know. <laughs> and, and it is one of those things that I think there's, not an inferiority complex within dentistry, but I think there's a little bit of a look down the nose, maybe from the medical side. And 
I know, and you know, the good things that are done as far as oral cancer screenings. As Absolutely. As, you know, so I, I think that it's time that hopefully 2021 will be the year that we can shake that off a little bit and, and elevate our whole profession into that. You know, we are part of the greater good just as much doctors are. Let me pose a question to you. And oh, we did not do this in the pregame, so I'm really just springing it on you. Ruh-ruh. <laughs> There are a lot of organizations that offer everything under one house, typically HMOs. You know, you can go there for your x-rays, you can go there for your gynecological, you can go there for a cancer test, you can go there. I mean, just, just everything under one house. It's, it's a health maintenance organization and one stop and everything. Now, dentists typically are operating, you know, solo, but what we've seen in dentistry is a move towards having multi-specialty in mm-hmm. one office. Yep. Do you think that there's going to be dentists who are out there, and I'm not talking about sleep, because sleep's always been ahead of the curve. They've always been communicating with medical doctors for a while. But do you think there's a time when, say, general dentist reaches out to primary care physician down the street, or pediatric dentist reaches out to primary care physician and says, hey, why don't we get an office together? Why don't we open up our health center, call it a health center? Do you see that happening in the future? I hope so. And, and, you know, I think it'll be a Walmart that'll do it. You know, I, I really do. I think yeah. that, you know, we've talked about Dr. Rowe and everything that's being done at Walmart in terms of health and dental and past podcasts, but I, I can see them absolutely being the leaders in that. And it makes so much sense that if we as a dental profession want to have this oral systemic connection pushed and understood and everything else, why wouldn't we want to do that? What about you? Yeah. Uh, I think so. I think the the logistics of it are going to be hard to hammer out in the beginning. You know, Walmart obviously has a ton of people that are dedicated that could, you know, help transition. I mean, they can hire MBAs to help them through all this, but little old me helping my doctor down the street, trying to get this organized, it's going to be a little bit of trial and error. So I think in the beginning, you know how we had the group practices in the beginning and they kind of laid out the roadmap. I think that's going to be something we see. I don't know how soon, but I do. I'm like you. I hope that it it happens because I'm so used now to going to my medical office building and my doctors, you know, the, the two different doctors that I have are very close to each other. They communicate with each other. It's just convenient. So being able to go see my doctor and if there's something going on, you know, that affects my cardio, for example, then instead of trying to make sure that this note makes it to my other office. It really would be nice to have it all under one umbrella. Now, that being said, the logistics are a nightmare until somebody really lays out the roadmap and says, okay, you should do it this way. And I'm excited to see that happen. I do think it's going to happen. I think so too. And I, and I know there are some dentists who work in a medical professional building and they've developed those relationships already. But I, I don't think it's a great amount of people. And I still think, as you said, there's a lot of hoops that have to be jumped through in order to not only make it a seamless transition, but also that the docs are talking to each other, the nurse and the hygienist are talking to each other, you know, and they they both understand the role that the other plays with that same patient who visits both of them. I'm not talking about like the VA, the Veterans Administration or public health systems. I'm not saying we get to that point where we're big offices kind of collaborating. But if you take a look at their model, they have a department that's dentistry. They have a department that's cardiology. Honestly, it is going to be a weird merger, but I just, I I don't see any downside, especially for the patient. You know, their electronic health record is all in one place. Physicians working together is all in one place. And I, 
I don't know. I just kind of think too that our offices are much more open to medical billing than they used to be. I mean, definitely in the last five years, we've seen a lot more offices interested in embracing medical billing. Yep. Maybe that's the last, you know, roadblock before, you know, the team signs on and says, okay, we can support you doing this. And because honestly, I talked to a lot of team members who came from medical and they love that dentistry is not medical. Yeah. That would be very interesting to see. It's almost like, oh my gosh, I got away from you and here you are pulling me back in. (laughs) (laughs) I think that we'll have to figure out a way to not only instruct the dental side, but also the medical side again on that. and, And I'm painting with a broad brush here, but I'm not sure that all the medical folks who are out there, at least the ones that I've talked to and the ones that I know truly understand the periodontal disease and what that can cause in the rest of the body. I think that there's still a little bit of, dare I say, poo poo whenever uh, on the medical side, whenever they hear that. So I I think that we've got to not only educate dental folks on how to work better with their medical brethren, but also the medical brethren to be amenable to that uh, discussion too. And it does help when you attend a dental school that, you know, is in really close proximity to the medical school, meaning that they work together a lot, that they have a lot of co-classes and all that. But, you know, if you have a, a pretty independent dental school that you may not see that I guess, openness to it. And the medical side too, they may not be as open to it. But yeah, that's that's an interesting thought. And Kevin and I, of course, we are not experts in this particular matter on opening up big, large practices, but it's just something fun to think about. If, if it happens in the future, my goodness, it will change a lot in the landscape. No question. Something to keep your eye on. Dare I say something to chew on? Oh my goodness. There you go. See that you're always the one that brings that back around. (laughs) (laughs) More on the the vaccine. I I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this continues to roll out, the resistance to it, what it means for dental professionals, uh, you know, how many of them will take it versus not, how many of them are required to take it versus not by their local health authorities. Uh, you know, so I think there's there's going to be a lot more that we're going to have to talk about this subject, especially as we get deeper into the rollout of it. If you want to see a dumpster fire, just tiptoe into a Facebook group and put the question Ooh. in, should I force my employees to get a oh, vaccine Lord. and then slowly back out the door because, <laughs> woo. I'm just going to throw this firebomb here and then I'm leaving. Bye. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> what it is. I mean, there was one, co- one uh, chain on dental hacks. I think it was like over 300 comments and a lot of it was sets of people going at each other with the data, you know. <laughs> oh my God, I'm sure. Crazy time. Ooh, yeah. But you know, we all love a little popcorn in our lives. So. Absolutely. As long as we're good to sit back and watch, it's tremendous. <laughs> it's always good to be the ones watching, not the <laughs> ones in the middle, right? All right. I wanted to talk about something that is pretty big for the industry. And I just, on my uh, my Nobody Told Me That podcast, I just did a year-end episode I'm sure, Kevin, you have listened to it. Why wouldn't I? Hello. (laughs) But I talked about three distinct uh, trends that are happening in 2021 that affect uh, offices. And I'm talking insurance legislation. But the big one, I'm not going to go into all three, obviously. But the big one is something called the Competitive Health Insurance Reform Act. I know you have written about this often just in your role as editors of different magazines, but it is the overturning of the McCarran-Ferguson Act. Does that phrase kind of make you go, oh, that act again? Yeah. It, it, and I, I know some of our listeners are going, oh, and some are, are going, huh? You know, so <laughs> there's, it's, it's a wide variety, I'm sure. But it's, 
it's something that I can tell you I would not know nearly enough about without your guidance and knowledge. That's for sure. It is a lovely bill because it's written to, of course, be just like how government wants all their bills to be written. You have to read it and read it and read it. Uh, But basically, the McCarran-Ferguson Act was passed, oh my gosh, back in early 20th century, 40s, 50s, too. I mean, there was uh, two different rulings. And I'm not going to go into the whole history of it, but the main takeaway that you should know is that the McCarran-Ferguson Act basically took regulation of the insurance industry away from the federal government and left it in the states. What it did, too, is it gave some protection to the carriers regarding antitrust activity. Mm-hmm. This is why you hear dentists in classes and in your offices that are saying, well, how come they can share information, but I can't? Right. Because you know, you as a dentist are not allowed antitrust-wise. You can't sit down with a guy down the street and say, how much do you charge for this? And compare pricing and then agree amongst yourselves to not charge less than a certain amount. That's, that's a monopoly. It's, it's some antitrust activity there. And that's where that rule comes in. So the insurance carriers, because of the McCarran-Ferguson Act, have been exempt from such scrutiny because of that legislation. The ADA has been hot on this since the beginning of time, it seems like. It's been one of the, it's pretty much their top advocacy issue. It has now been uh, passed and we now have the Competitive Health Insurance Reform Act. It's just been passed and it's going into effect and it is honestly an amazing victory for the ADA and other organizations that were involved in it. What this means is the insurance carriers now, if there's any allegation of them colluding across state lines to keep pricing at a certain amount or to keep provider fees low, then there can be some action that comes from that. And to make it even more like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going back to school. I did a podcast on this about the Delta Dental lawsuit with the ADA. And if you go back, I'll link that too. It's a, it's a meaty episode. But I went into why the ADA alleges that there's a lot of activity going on. There's a lot that's wrapped up in this. Basically, the gist of it is they're now not exempt from antitrust competitions. And so they're going to, I'm sorry, antitrust regulation. And now they're going to have to prove when it's alleged that they're not conspiring to keep premiums at a certain level and to keep provider fees at a certain level. What you think of that? That's a lot to to, <laughs> di- to dive into right there. I, I'm curious because how much of a, in, in your mind, how much of a mind shift is this just for the average dentist, the average dental team member to know that it's lurking out there and how much of this bill should they really know about? Because I know that's why there's experts like you, thank God. <laughs> but how, how much should they kind of have this in the back of their mind as 2021 begins? I don't think 2021 is going to show us too much. I think if there's anything, there's going to be people that are looking for those kinds of uh, activity. But as far as the dental office goes, we're not going to really see too much of that. When you start crunching the books and the numbers, which is what carriers do mm-hmm. for their premium plans for 2022, then we're going to start seeing it. Okay. So open season for most employers is in the fall. And that's when you're going to start seeing some different plan designs. What this does is it forces carriers to be more competitive. There isn't going to be areas where a a small company is going to say, oh my gosh, there's too much going on in there. I can't break in there. They've got an agreement with all the brokers. And see, that's something else that, that I don't want to get too heavy into. But when you have a monopoly in an area, you have brokers that are afraid to sell other 
plans because you will pull it from them. And that's totally antitrust activity there. There's actually a lawsuit down in Florida that's alleging that right now. And I can link that in the show notes if you're geeky like me and want to read about it. I think this is going to bring some innovation regarding plan design, which means 2022, we may see some wild and funky plans. And, yeah. you know, I stated on my podcast, I think the unfortunate part of this is that you're going to see a lot more plans coming into the network. That's not unfortunate. The unfortunate part is they're going to want to lease networks from the big boys who have them, mm-hmm. which means our offices are going to have to be even more alert as to which, which networks they're actually a part mm-hmm. of. I think that's going to be interesting. This is fun to think about because I'm such a, a geek on this. But one of the objections that the insurance companies have is that right now, because of the antitrust has been, you know, you've been operating with immunity on this, they have been able to share data with each other regarding, I guess, uh, utilization, pricing, and all of that. And not having that data, they allege, not having that data would force them to price themselves differently, which, which would result in higher premiums for the employees or the subscribers. I follow where they're going with that, but I don't see how sharing data, but we can't share data as providers. I don't see how that's fair. So I, you know, I see their point, but it's not enough to negate the fact that they're immune from antitrust, you know, conversations. That's the first thing that I thought right there is, wait a minute, why is it good for this side, but not for this side? And I think a lot of folks, whenever they really dive into your podcast, they'll start thinking that as well. And I'm going to tell you, the first thought I had, you kind of alluded to it a minute ago, is just how much more knowledge there's going to have to be for that poor insurance coordinator and front desk person now moving forward. And I mean, it's, I see that as that opens up almost a whole new avenue in that that job, that profession that you've got to now have this knowledge base as well. One of the uh, job duties that I added to the admin, or I'm sorry, insurance coordinator role, you know, usually you've listened to my classes. I give a whole list of duties that the insurance coordinator has, and I've had to list at the end and put stars around it. Keep up on legislative doings because you don't know how well you can operate in the environment if you're not aware of the laws that govern you. You know, for somebody who's coming in and thinking, Oh yeah, I'll try to be an insurance coordinator. How hard could that be? You put in some claims and you send out some, you know, statements and all of that. It's it's a different ballgame, baby. It is. And and I think that if you go into it with the mindset of, oh, I only need to know this, whenever every so often it seems like that a new color to the rainbow is added in your job in your job title. And I hope the dentists who are listening to this really understand that. This is something that you've got to have the right person, the right attitude, and the right training to actually make this part of your business run as efficiently as possible moving forward. I didn't think about this before, I promise, listeners, but we really need to plug the ebook that we have. Yeah. The reason I say that is because in the ebook, I have a whole section on today's insurance coordinator, and it has this whole legislative stuff and trackers and job duties, requirements, and all that. So we have a, an ebook that's available. Kevin, you want to take a shot at describing it and we can both kind of chime in? It is a veritable potpourri of information. <laughs> it is a cornucopia of goodness, dare oh I say. God. How about that? I know. It's flowery. No, it's, it really is. It's, it's not only, you know, Teresa and I are part of six people who c- contributed to this. Rachel Wall, Susan Gunn, Rita Zamora, Ginny Hegarty, Ginny Horn, I should say. Sorry. Oh my goodness, that's right. I know. Six 
experts in the industry, if I could pat myself and Teresa on the back for just a minute, but, but it is something that we're all coming from our own wheelhouse to talk about things that you need to know in 2021. It's free. Uh, we're very thankful to Care Credit, Solution Reach, and, and Avoni who helped us put it together. I know that you'll link to it in the show notes, but it's, it's something that I, I would say is really a, a real good playbook for people to kind of understand what they need to be tackling as well as their team. Uh, in 2021 to really hit the ground running hard. Yeah, I don't see any reason to not get it. It's over 50 pages, free, 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 free. People love free. Free. It's got a ton of checklists. I mean, I I have some checklists. Rachel Wall has verbiage that she's included. You have your whole personality test and, and what that means for the office. Rita gave a great summary of social media and how to do that. And Susan Gunn, Miss Reporter, Susan Gunn, my goodness, <laughs> she is all into the finances and making sure everything's uh, working there. And of course, hi- Rachel with her hygiene uh, conversations is really, really amazing. Jimmy's blew me away, though. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Who is this Jimmy? <laughs> Who's this Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy Hegarty gave us like, I think it's like four pages, four page checklist of administrative yeah. duties. So if you're thinking to yourself, what on earth should I make in that job description? You need that part. My goodness. I was like salivating when I saw her turn that in. <laughs> and you know what I loved about it? And and not turning this into an infomercial here, but uh, but I love the fact that each of us have our own viewpoints and personalities and ways that we approach things. And it's very obvious how we built our own sections that, you know, we all kind of lo- are looking at this through a little bit different lens and we all want think that there's different information in different styles that could be shared. So I think there's something in there for everybody. Bringing it back to the insurance piece, if you're looking to see, you know, what is she talking about? What kind of duties should an insurance coordinator have other than the checks and the claims? There's a whole section on it and you're welcome to go crazy with it. Go crazy. Go crazy. (laughs) Anything else on the McCarran-Ferguson Act? I know you're going to be writing about it. I know that drmikehusband.com will have something on it. Yeah. And I have a feeling I know who might be the author of one of those articles. I'm just throwing (laughs) that out there, you know. There you go. But it it really is one of those things that when I first got into dentistry, you know, I I came from outside the industry like so many of us. And, And you rely on experts to help you tell a story. And so that's where I think people like Teresa, who know the ins and outs of it, you know, that that's so valuable that you make sure that you stay in touch with with them. And, and if it's something on oral cancer or sleep dentistry or whatever, that you find those knowledgeable experts to really help you understand what you need to know and how it impacts your business and your patients. So absolutely love for you to check out Dr. By Cuspid. But want to make sure that whenever you're reading something, it's actually from a knowledgeable source and not just somebody who took a 10-minute overview and slapped something together. Oh, my gosh. Taking a 10-minute overview on this would be just doing a disservice to it. It takes you 10 minutes to read the opening of this thing for crying out loud. <laughs> if there's something that the government's good at doing, it's at making three words turn into 400 words, right? <laughs> God bless them, I tell you. They they need a good editor there in the Senate, I'm just saying. All right, so we have those two good stories, dentistry-related stories. So, Kevin, can I go off the reservation for a little bit and share? You non-dentist- know I always smile when you head this way. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I read this, this headline and I thought, what the ever-loving... <laughs> What on earth is going on today? So <laughs> you had your beautiful, uplifting story last oh. episode of the eight-year-old who played 
dentist for a Santa yeah. Claus. That was heartwarming, you know? You could almost hear Josh Groban singing in the background as I talked about it. It was like tremendous. The, the bells and the angels singing. <laughs> it was beautiful. Then I opened up this <laughs> story and I think, oh, there's the devil right there. Okay. <laughs> the headline is, and this is what grabbed my attention. So influencer spends $10,000 on herself for Christmas and doesn't get her kids anything. What do you think oh, of that? That headline is just beautiful. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me, Duncan. Tell me Journalists more. Journalists love headlines <laughs> like this because I, you know, I don't really care about influencers. It doesn't make me, you know, I'm not going to click on influencer Christmas. That, that doesn't, I don't care. But an but, influencer who doesn't buy anything for her kids, what kind of rat is this? So... <laughs> So her name is Carla Bellucci, and I'm not going to be afraid to say her name out there. Obviously, it's been posted, and I'm going to say I'm not afraid to do this because she is proud of the fact that she mm. didn't buy anything for her kids. Mm. She said she doesn't care about being called selfish, and she said that her children, she has three children, all teenagers, which I'm sure they were loving this. Oh, yeah. Three teenagers, and she said they should make their own money on social media, like, like mom. So she spent uh, money on veneers. So actually, oh, it is dentistry related. Look at that. (laughs) She got uh, touch up Botox and fillers. These fillers are a little bit much though. I mean, I, it's not like you can look at someone and say, oh, I don't think those are fillers. If you have that thought, those are definitely fillers. Yeah. Okay. Manicures. I get that. I love my manicures. Facials. Okay. New clothes and shoes. And the picture that she has on this page, I'll link it. She's holding her little dog who has uh, probably a very expensive sweater on. She's holding her little dog and the look of disgust on the dog's face just says it all. So (laughs) I I thought, you know what? This dog knows what's up. (laughs) I I was kind of hoping that you would be holding Griffin, you know, and and maybe at a page in our ebook, you know, and and you could do that. Well, you know, the boy is home from college and he just was cooking himself some breakfast. And so when there is food to be dropped, the dogs do, they desert. I noticed there were no mascots anywhere near you. No jingly jangly here, right? <laughs> so, all right, let me give you another direct quote here. She oh, says, oh, it's gorgeous. I don't care if people call me spoilt or selfish. I know I deserve my spending spree. Spoiling kids at Christmas is wrong. I think parents who spoil their kids this year are hypocrites. I am a brilliant mom. She's obviously British. over, over yeah. the Atlantic, right? And I'm using COVID Christmas as a life lesson. I want my kids to be social media stars and withholding gifts this year will teach them to make money for themselves. Lockdown stressed me, so I needed to spoil myself. I've always bought the kids nice things at Christmas throughout the years. It's mummy time now. You know, the good (laughs) thing is that the lockdown, I'm sure, didn't stress her teenagers out at all. You know, that's the amazing part. So. There's a reference in here to how she doesn't care about slamming doors and all of that. So I'm pretty sure there were some words that were exchanged. But this is interesting, too. And this is totally not dentistry related. But she argues that the moms who spoil their kids don't spend money on themselves. And as a result, that's why they end up divorced. And that's why men stray. What is that? Wait, that's a lot for me to pack in there. Hold on. I'm I'm thinking about that. So treating your kids to something at Christmas makes your husband run away. Yes. You went from point A to point Z really quickly. Yeah, I did. I did. But I'm trying to connect some dots here. And wow. Yeah. So, you know, these these men are going to stray from her by, you know, basically you spent too much money on your kids. You look like, you know, poo-poo. So I'm going to go over here. 
to somebody who doesn't look like poo poo. This is the most crazy rationalization I've ever heard when it comes to, you know, spending money on yourself, just in general. Yeah. She, she also said that her, her kids had wanted Nike Air Force trainers, new laptops, new phones, clothes, and Xboxes for Christmas. What teenager doesn't want all that stuff? Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds pretty normal to me. Yeah, I mean, drop in the, the AirPods for the ears in there, and that's pretty much every Christmas here for years, you know. And, oh my gosh, I told him if he loses these AirPods, it's going to be like World War Three in here. And you know what? He hasn't lost the AirPods, so it's been pretty cool, yeah. Basically, she considers herself a super mom. That's another quote in there. And she needed to give them a push to get their Instagram careers off the ground. Oh, listen to this, Kevin. If toddlers can make money from Instagram collaborations, I see no reason my kids can't. If they want Christmas gifts, they'll have to buy them for themselves like I did. (laughs) You know, wow. (laughs) There's a lot in there. And, And here's the thing I'm thinking is that she had to tell the paper that she was doing this in order to get the extra publicity. Oh, I'm thinking that I'm thinking that also had to happen. Oh, you know what? I bet you're right. I bet yeah. she she probably leaked this news herself. I didn't even think of that. I would wow. bet so. Yeah. So see, the, those journalists fell right into her trap. I can see it. But oh my goodness! Well, there there are those people out there, and and as we always say, well, that's that's one avenue you could take. You know, this influencer thing is something that just kind of this was not around what ten years ago. This actual oh, no. title. No. So apparently you and I are missing out on this. And uh, I I propose that next Christmas we tell Julia and uh, Noah that, the, you know, they're, they're out, they're on their own. Yeah. The reason they're unsuccessful is because they haven't followed in our footsteps. How about that? I'm going to be watching their Instagrams. And if I don't see <laughs> hundreds of thousands of followers, they're complete failures. It's just that simple, you know. Disowned. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. There are just so many crazy people out there. And I have to say, if somebody, if she went to go get veneers, there's an office out there that has had to put up with her. What do you think of that? Yeah. You know, and you always go, oh, this will be a great case. Nice little revenue production. Look at that. Yeah. But there's a person attached to it usually. (laughs) And that's the issue. (laughs) Dentistry would be amazing without the patients. I've always said that. I've always said that. I've always said I would love my job so much more if the patients were not involved. I do love patients, but sometimes dealing with them just makes you, honestly, this is why, this is why we drink. I don't drink, yeah. but you know what I mean. To the British dental team out there, God bless you. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, well done. <laughs> you should buy yourself something. That's what you should do. You should spoil yourself for having to deal with such a spoiled person. My goodness. Well, hopefully she gave them a little uh, social media shout out. You know, she's an influencer. I mean, hopefully, the, you know, her veneers were lovely enough that she gave them some love. Oh, you know what? I need to check that out. I will have to report back to you because I don't see crazy veneer work in this picture that they attach. Let me go to her Instagram. Hashtag crazy veneer work. Is that oh, yeah, her teeth look okay, I guess. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know what she's influencing. She just wears a lot of clothes. I don't know. She's a fashion influencer. She's she a, fashionista, a fashionista, dare I say. Well, apparently no man is going to leave her. I don't even know if she's got a man, but apparently no man is going to leave her because... She is taking care of herself. Darn it. Teresa, she doesn't need a man, okay? She's she's her own person. That's all that's all she needs is just herself. God Why bless does her. she not say to men, how about you earn your own money? Do you think she's going to be with an influencer man and like say, Hey, you need to you need to step up? 
That's some high freaking maintenance working right there. I'm just going to tell you. You know, it just, I'm telling you the look on this dog's face, this dog has seen <laughs> stuff. This dog has seen some stuff. All right. That's awesome. Okay. So I had to combat your happy, happy story last week. No, I'm just kidding. I just saw this and said, oh my gosh, I have to bring this up because it's just so egregious. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That is something to start 2021 off of the bang right there. I'm just going to tell you. Wow. I would like to wish you a congratulations because the lovely Julia. Yeah. She is now engaged. She is. And uh, it was quite the, yeah, quite the moment there. Um, her fiance, who she has literally grown up with, which is really a cool thing. He asked for her hand back around the 4th of July. I haven't even had a chance to tell you this because it's been such a whirlwind. And he said, do not tell anyone. You can't tell Dana. You can't tell her mom. You can't tell anybody. So I've I've uh, lived with a secret for about five months. Oh, then, my gosh. And then finally, uh, a couple of weeks ago, or I should say a couple of weeks before Christmas, he said, we're going to shoot family photos at this museum in Tulsa. Uh, I want to propose to her then, and I want all of her family and my family around when I do it. So I rerouted some Christmas plans. Yes, I did travel during the holiday. So, you know, shoot me if you will. (laughs) But yeah, I was there to watch it all unfold. It was one of those moments that I wasn't sure how I was going to react, but just she was, she's happy. And you know, when your kids are happy, that that supersedes anything else. So, Absolutely. Yeah, we don't have a wedding anytime in the future. She's going to be done with her physical therapy uh, postgraduate work uh, before that happens. So we've got some time. I can tell you she's a happy kid, and uh, you, you, that's what you always love to see. Was it a surprise? Complete. Awesome. Yeah, it was a complete surprise. And and I will tell you, the one of these days when our Teresa and I are together again, I will show her the, the text chain and the intricate maps that this guy drew about drive here, but not here. Cause she'll see you and do this. And you know, he's an engineer, so he very much planned this thing, oh. but it went off without a hitch. Yeah. It was, it was a very cool moment for sure. Very cool. I'm, I'm so very happy. And you. you get a, a son, you're going to even have a son. soon. That's, that's crazy. You know, very exciting. You know, I've, I've always looked at Noah that way. And cause I was there when he had his first in and out burger, which is a rite of passage, obviously. I mean, it's just like being there at the birth. I it guess. is. It's very similar. So. I was cracking up because you actually got a handwritten holiday card from in and out burger. <laughs> I did. So we, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and yeah, that's a whole other story. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, do do some digging. R- work up a story relating to dentistry with In and Out Burger. Oh, I'll come up with one. Don't you worry, sister. Trust me. I have no doubt. So. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right. Any other uh, closing thoughts here as we wrap up this episode? It was a good holiday season, but I'm definitely ready for 2021 and a better year whenever hopefully we can all be together again real soon, and uh, you can see Teresa and I. Uh, collaborating in person again. So it's going to be a good thing. Will be nice. Absolutely. All right. Well, dear listeners, as always, we so much appreciate that you spent your time with us today. Until next time, later. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. And don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.